we're going to look at the armor of God. We started a series last week talking about the kingdom that God has established. And we talked specifically last week about Jesus as the king, right? Like the kingdom has to have a king. And this week we're going to look at the, the, the spiritual warfare, the battles that we face. A lot of our songs even this morning uh, kind of pointed us in that direction, that uh, we're in a struggle that is absolutely... Um, very real. You can't be on the sidelines of it. You could, you can be laying down, but you're just in the middle of it no matter what. And so we're going to read this uh, maybe familiar passage of scripture if you've been in church uh, a bit. Maybe you're familiar with this, maybe you're not. Ephesians chapter 6, starting at verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. His mighty power. Ooh, that's good. Put on the full armor. At that rate, we're not going to get finished. Let's keep going. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then. With the belt of truth buckled around your waist. With the breastplate of righteousness in place. With your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for the power in your blood. Thank you for the fact that Satan is a defeated foe. He has been hurled down. Thanks for reminding me that our battle is not against flesh and blood. Thank you, God, for victory. Amen. In the last week at my house, um, I've spent some time getting ready for winter. And one of those things that, that I do every year is I go down into our crawl space. Now, our crawl space has an access from the outside, which I try to keep clear in the winter because... There's so much about where I normally live in the house that is affected by what's going on under the house. There's the, the freshwater plumbing, the septic that goes out, there's heating ducts down there, there's some electrical, and obviously there's the foundation, this crawl space under our, under our home. Ours isn't technically a crawl, like I don't have to crawl like an army crawl, but it's like a hunch space sort of, sort of thing. Or, or to really do a lot of work down there, you have to be on your knees. And so I was down there this week uh, putting uh, salt in the water softener, changing the water filter, setting some mouse traps. Not because I saw any mice, but because I definitely don't want any mice um, there. I'm just telling my wife that. I have not seen mice in the house. That's important to her. So I fiddled with some things down there. And if you would have been at my house last week before I did that, and then would come to my house today, you probably wouldn't see anything in that visible spot of the house that we normally occupy any different. I think the water would probably taste about the same, even though I replaced the water filter. The softener wasn't out of salt. But these maintaining things that I did under the house 
will greatly affect our comfort in what's going on up there. In fact, I, we, uh, we, set, we have these alarms down there. We have a smoke alarm, just kind of normal. We want to know if the house is on fire before we feel the heat, right? And so we have that down there, and we even have this like water alarm because if the well just starts filling our, our uh, crawl space with water, we'd like to know that. And so we have these alarms in this invisible space that helps us know up in the visible space of our house, you know, what's going on down there. Because what's going on down in those places where you have to kneel affects so greatly what's going on in the places where people normally see. And so as I was doing that this week, I was thinking, this is a perfect illustration for how we, how we have to relate in the spiritual realm. The, the spiritual realm is so foundational to what we actually see. On the surface, in the physical, you see relationships with marriage or work or all these sorts of things. But below those things and below in your life, there is there's a downstairs or in a space just next to your head. I mean, that's the, that's the spiritual realm. It's right all around us. There's what you do see and then there's what you don't see that underpins it. There's the physical part of you. This is how we relate with each other. But then there's the spiritual part which you relate from. There's the physical that's temporary. It's, it's measurable in some objectified ways that we have to measure physical stuff going on in the world. But then there's the spiritual. This is the eternal part. This is the invisible. This is hard to quantify, right? Like, we haven't quite come up with a way to standardize how is it going spiritually for you. And so, The spiritual is so important. But that doesn't mean the physical isn't as well. Many times in the church, people have uh, downplayed the physical. Like it's, oh, it's all spiritual. You know, sometimes people are like, I'm in a spiritual battle. And I'm like, "Eh, just calm down, clean your room, right? Like, like, uh, Satan's attacking right now. Well, yeah, maybe, but eating seven slices of pizza is what's going on in the physical world. And that's maybe why you feel down. Or people, I'm going to pray about this. It's like, don't pray about this. Mom, just find a parking spot, right? Like, I don't know if your mom prays in the parking lot or what spot she should pick. But that's really one of those things you go, like, okay, come on. There is a physical reality that we live in. And there's been errors throughout Christian history of people who say, oh, the physical doesn't matter at all. Guys, it matters. It absolutely matters. They're connected. When my heart is weary and I play music, It affects my soul. When my mind is racing and I get on my knees physically and pray, fold my hands and just say, I got to focus right now. My body helps my soul. When my soul is feeling crushed and I make the effort in the physical to go hug somebody, say a word of encouragement, send a text. The stuff I'm doing in the visible space affects what's going on here. It, my physical body can positively influence my soul. And also the opposite is true. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, I won't read from, there, um, from you this morning, but Paul talks about, should I take my body and unite it with a prostitute? No way, because I'm one with her in flesh. And this, all other sins, he says, you know, They don't do what this does. Your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, he says. 
who is in you, whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You were, I said I was going to read it, but it says in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 20, you were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. What you do in the physical affects the spiritual. These, these physical bodies aren't just, I, I remember being around a funeral director once and he's like, oh, the, I've been to lots of funerals as, as, as the pastor, never as the one having the funeral done for, right? Um, that was a dumb joke. Obviously, I'm not dead. Um, but the funeral director, he's like, you know, this is just the shell we knew them in and, it, and now it's gone. Like they were a hermit crab or something, right? Like, no, the body actually matters. How we treat our bodies matter. If, if I rest and celebrate and fast and work and recreate, I can honor God and take care of my body. But if if I live in anxiety, fornication, gluttony, workaholism, I can dishonor God and harm my body. So Ephesians chapter 6 is, is, is metaphorical, right? Like it's, we put on this spiritual armor as Christians, but there's no actual like, there's no stuff. I, I'm sorry, I don't have like armor for you actually to wear in the physical. But it says, before it even introduces that, we have a struggle. We, ha- we have a struggle that isn't just in the physical. The powers of this dark world, the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So therefore, put on the full armor of God. I think many Christians are wearing parts and pieces. And so if you're coming as a Christian today, you might be like, you know what? What am I missing here? So we'll go through the six parts of, of the, the spiritual armor. I, I once preached a six-part series on this. I'm just jamming it all into one sermon here. So we'll move quick. There's a lot more to say about these six pieces of armor. But maybe if you're a Christian, you go, am I missing something? Am I going into battle and oh, I don't, I don't have feet that are fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And maybe say, God, I want to learn from this. Or maybe you realize you're on the battlefield and you have nothing. You're not a believer. Friends, there, there is equipment for what you're facing. Because it says, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. I've, uh, we have a number of veterans in our church that we are super thankful for. Not all of them have seen active combat, but for those people who have been in active combat in the military that I've talked to over the years, they would say that most of their time in active combat was kind of boring. And maybe I'm defining that wrong, but most of their time in the service in the military was not as exciting. But then there were days or hours or minutes where they were so glad that their boots were tied on tight, where they were so glad they had their helmet, where they were so glad to have trained with their weapon because there are evil days that come. And I think as Christians, we can sometimes get um, lazy. Um, We can just be coasting. We can be lukewarm, not thinking that, that days of evil will come and... Friends, if you haven't tuned in, this year is a year that has been challenging, right? Like, if you didn't notice, sometimes at church we say, I don't know what battle you've been fighting. I actually kind of know the battles you're fighting right now. Because 
we're all fighting similar battles, battles with anxiety and uncertainty, frustration, the fear that we're facing. And you know what? It's here. But are you standing your ground or are you laying down? So verse 14 says, we need to stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. I love the King James Version. I have nothing to gain from reading it, but I just love how it sounds. Having your loins girt about with truth. Are your loins girt about with truth? There's a reason we don't read from the King James so much anymore. You know, how they would dress back then was a lot different than now, right? Not a lot of elastic, not a, as, as much the, the cloth that we have now is, is not really what it would have looked like back then. They would wear what would kind of look to us like a, a long, loose-fitting shirt that would maybe reach down even to the ankles. And so if you're trying to run or fight in something like that and you don't have a belt, you're kind of messed up. Some of you might be able to relate because you have a robe. I don't know what kind of person has a robe, but um, like I had one for a while, but then like, why am I going to wear a robe? I don't know. Maybe you robe wearers, keep that to yourself. I guess I don't want to know about that, but the belt is key on a robe. The belt is absolutely key for keeping things together. So the belt of truth. How do we know the truth? We know it from the scripture, the word of God. The, 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 the prophets, the Psalms, the gospels, the epistles, we know what truth is. Truth matters. Abraham Lincoln supposedly said, how many legs does a cow have? And the people who was talking to you, they were very annoyed. They said, well, four, of course. Good for you if you got that right as well. You know, like, how many legs does a cow have? Four, of course. That's right. He said, now suppose you call the cow's tail a leg. How many, cow, how many legs would the, the cow have? Well, five, of course, was the confident reply. He says, now that's where you're wrong. Calling a cow's tail a leg does not make it a leg. And so many people don't live in the truth. Live in half-truths and compromises. Most of us are, are conditioned not to ask, is it, is it true? But rather we ask, how do I feel about this? How do you feel about this? Survey says, right? Like Family Feud is a, is a fun game to watch on TV, but that's a terrible way to decide what is true or not. Feelings have little or nothing to do with truth. To the Jews who have believed him, Jesus said in John chapter 8, if you hold to my teaching, the teaching of Jesus, if you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples, then you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. You may think that, man, good people should get to go to heaven. Now, I don't know if they believed in Jesus or not, but good people should get to heaven. That feels good to me. It may feel okay, but it's wrong. The scripture would say differently. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me, John 3.16 says that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. I, you know, that's, that's, that's the truth. And we've got to gird ourselves about with that. I'll go King James. We have to be tied together 
<coughs> excuse me, and mobile because we know what is true. Think of how it would have gone different for Adam and Eve if when the serpent came up to them, they say, when, when he says, did the Lord really say? They said, no, here's what he said. We are bound by this truth. We have to live in the truth. The second mention in the spiritual armor is the breastplate of righteousness. This would have been a two-part thing, metal probably, on the front and on the back of a soldier. Some would say this is the first thing you would mention because it would be shiny metal. Maybe it would weigh almost 40 pounds. Goliath's breastplate is something like, like over 100 pounds as his plate of righteousness. Friends, if we would realize, if we would, you know, it's interesting, don't have enough time to look at this entirely, but the, the first three parts of the armor of God it says to having these things, and then the other ones, it says, take the shield of faith, take the helmet, take the sword. But in these, we have the truth. We have God's righteousness. If we would really realize that God has imparted his righteousness to us, he, is, he has imputed it and imparted it. That's theological language to, to look at a little bit. Not that he just declares us holy, but he makes us holy. When we finally grab onto that, when, when the woman of God will grab on to the fact that God considers her righteous, this knowledge should change her. And so we, we should have the breastplate of righteousness. Third, we have feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Historians would tell stories of how battles are lost because of Lousy shoes, worn out troops. I mean, you can have a great sword, you can have great helmets, but if your feet are sore, you're in trouble. So Christians, are we prepared? Are we prepared to go? Are we, do we have this lightness of foot? Are we ready to go out? The peace of God will put us on firm ground no matter where we are. We won't shake, we won't lose our, our footing on slippery ground, but we'll push on. Rough roads grow smooth when we have the right shoes. Do you have the right shoes this year? It, we're not called to battle from our, our desk chairs. We're called to be ready, people of motion. Tony Evans talks about how in his church, kind of like ours, must have, I don't know, been a trend, but to save energy, and I'm sure we've saved a bundle. There's, there's motion lights in the church, in the, in the foyer right now. The light is off because there's no motion in there, but actively ready is all of the energy and all of the electricity to illuminate that space. There just needs to be some motion out there. And I think so much as believers, we miss the fact that God wants to provide the energy. Uh, he wants to, to shed his light, but we've got to be moving. It's not just, oh, am I spiritually ready? Oh, am I spiritually ready? No, are we moving? We have a gospel of, of peace that says, I can go into some places that are uncomfortable, that people trip and fall and slip. 
But if God has assigned me there to this challenging place, I can have peace. Fourth, we're to take up the shield of faith. Because we're not, as Christians, called to live in, in, in a walled city where everything's going okay. We go out where people do shoot arrows. The shields back then, don't think so much um, Captain America-sized shield, right? Like dollar store sort of size shield of plastic. Some would say this, the, this word is used later in Greek literature to speak about door. Like a shield the size of a door. And this would be something that the Roman soldiers would use and they would carry. And then when the arrows would come, they would get in formation. And it wasn't just everybody around their trash can lid. It was a wall that they could create in formation, in community. They would create this, this dome around them. And so it says, take up the shield. Is, it's, it's of faith. Take up the shield of faith. Like a shield, faith is best used in a group. Like a shield, we are guarded from arrows. Like I've never been shot at by, with, by arrows. We used to have this Nerf bow and arrow. But it's quite different to imagine somebody shooting at me with arrows. And then it says they're flaming arrows. Like somebody said, like, let's set this on fire. And then, shoot, like, think about how disconcerting that would be. I mean, some would say that they even had, like, you know, exploding arrows, like, of, of fire. This is a messed up sort of situation. And you know what? It can be sent from afar. Archers would be able to shoot well beyond what you might imagine they could shoot with accuracy back then. The longbowmen could send arrows, go, and we go, man, things are going great, right? And then all of a sudden, a volley of arrows can come our way. And we need to have faith around us that says, you know what? I can go out into dangerous places because I'm with other people. I have what Romans chapter 1, verse 17, I, I live by faith. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith, from first to last, from start to end, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. The fifth part of the armor. The fifth part of us struggling in, in the spiritual realm, not just in the physical realm. Doing the work that is really so much of the eternal work is to take up the helmet of salvation. I mean, body armor is great and all, but what if you get shot in the face? <laughs> Right? Like, what if they shoot you in the face? Is that a risk you're willing to take? Satan has his tactics to attack our mind. But if we know that we are saved, it's the helmet of salvation that says, you know what? I'm not going to listen to the loud voices of deception, of false teaching. I'm not going to be distracted 
with, with carnal interests. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul, who wrote Ephesians, also wrote to this young man named Timothy. He says, Endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life, for then they can't please the officer who enlisted them. And then he goes on to give some, you know, like, think of the hardworking farmer. Think of athletes. He gives these wonderful metaphors to help us understand some of the spiritual truths that sometimes we can miss. And so with the helmet of salvation, we don't get distracted with civilian affairs. We have a kingdom that is eternal. We have a kingdom that is among us and within us, the scripture says. I would encourage you, the book, The Battlefield of the Mind. If you're struggling with, with your thoughts, The Battlefield of the Mind by Joyce Meyer, it's... I haven't read a lot of Joyce Meyer books, but truly this has been like her, her crown jewel of her books. I would recommend this book to you highly. And lastly is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. There's different words for word in the scripture. There's the logos, but this is actually the word rhema. This is a, a word given with power, a word given in the moment. This is why um, Mary says, um, when the, the angel speaks to her in Luke chapter 1, she says, for with a word from God, with a rhema, nothing is impossible. It's not just, oh, nothing is impossible with God, and I can just like all of a sudden step off and float here. Like, that's, that's, that's not what it says when, when Mary says nothing is impossible with God. She says, no, with a word from God, with rhema from him, nothing is impossible. I have not heard from God that it's okay to step off into thin air there and think that I'm going to float. And so we have the sword of the Spirit, God speaking his timely and powerful word to us. When Paul's writing this in Ephesians, he's not saying this means your New Testament. He's, it's not written yet. He's saying we have a sword in our hands. And some of you might like think, why, would it, why isn't it a bazooka, right? Like a bazooka. That's what, remember that from Patch Adams where he's like, a bazooka. Anyways, like, like I want to reach out and touch someone. I want to really lay into somebody with some explosive Power. I want maybe one of those archer, uh, like one of those bows. I want to be that sort of thing. Something this tells me is that Satan's going to get close to us sometimes. And it isn't going to be time for hurling something. It's going to be time to have a sword in those close quarters. Satan is not interested in a truce. He is not interested in like peace terms. God has not sent us to offer concessions. It is war. Jesus said, don't suppose I've come to bring peace to the earth. I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. And so we have to listen to the word of God. Are you listening for him? I mean, one of the ways he does speak, you can get a fresh word from him. In the scripture, absolutely. And I know God uses other religious books. I mentioned Battlefield of the Mind, great, great book. But it's only useful, so useful as, it, as to the ability to which it points us to the truth. 
of the word of God. The Holy Spirit speaks and gives conviction, consolation, conversion. So those are the, the, the aspects of the spiritual armor, but then it just says, like, not metaphorically anymore, and pray, verse 18. And pray in the Spirit on all kinds of, on all occasions, not some occasions, all occasions, all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. Always keep on praying for all the saints. Now, this is one of the things that like, practically we're trying to do in, in our sanctuary here is this corner. We're trying to set it apart as, as a, a bit of a sacred place to say, you know what? We want to do some of the hard work on our knees. There is stuff going on in the crawl space of our life. And you know what? We need to get low and pray. Somebody said prayer is earthly license for heavenly interference. Are you praying? Do you have people praying for you? I tell you what, I have people praying for me all around the state and even around the country. And I just think of them in the spiritual realm. I can't see that stuff, but I just see them just with like their trebuchets lobbing in these, these powerful, this powerful ammunition, this artillery, these missiles that are just bombarding the enemy around me. And I'm so thankful for them. Are you that for other people? Are you praying in the Spirit on all occasions? Are you, metaphorically even, with, with this spiritual armor, are you dressed to kill? As we end our time this morning, I, I want you to think, you know, what am I missing? Am I missing the sincerity of the belt of truth? Am I, am I missing the breastplate of righteousness, knowing that Satan can't, he can maybe give me a, like the flesh wound, but he can't hit the internals because the righteousness of God is protecting the, my vitals. Are my feet fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace? Am I at peace in any and all situation because I have the right footwear? Have I taken up the shield of faith? Do I have people around me who make it not just a one-way shield? I'm protected from all sides. Do I have the helmet of salvation that says, I know that I know that I know I, I'm saved. And this is what matters. I'm, 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 a, I'm a part of a new kingdom. I'm a soldier and I'm not going to get mixed up in civilian affairs. I have a kingdom that I belong to. Am I listening for the word of God? And so, friends, let's pray together this morning to put on the armor of God. And if you're missing a piece or the whole set, let's put it on. So let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you have an armory ready for your people. We may not have realized what our real struggle was about. We may not have realized before today that, that we're in a war. We maybe felt it and maybe realized what is going on below the surface that is causing all of this stuff on the surface to fall apart, all of these relationships, my heart to be messed up. Father, would you do some work in providing for your people? Thank you for the work Jesus did on the cross. And now we just ask for a fresh outpouring on our church, on every church, that we would be just armed to the teeth, ready for battle with peace.
with faith, with salvation, with truth, with righteousness, with the word of God. So Father, help us to listen. We need a fresh, a fresh word from you. Some of us need to spend time in preparation to share the, the, the peace that we have. So Lord, thank you for that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Thank you for your holiness and your purity. Thank you for your truth. We don't have to come up with what feels right. We have your truth in this book. Father, help us to not become slack in our walk. Show us where you're working and lead us out of this, the safe places, the, the places that feel safe. In our, in our, we're just in our comfort zone. And God, you're calling us out from there and give us the confidence that we can walk in because we know we're dressed for battle. So Holy Spirit, speak specifically today the truths of the word of God to us. Bring truth, your word is truth. Bring it to our minds throughout the day, throughout this week. Jesus, it may be another long week in some ways, but would we be dressed for the battle? Thank you that the war is already won. Thank, we, thank you that we know how it's going to work out. And so when, when we trip and stumble and we think, oh no, the war has been lost, we know, we know the war has been won. So we pray this in the name of our Savior, our King, for whose kingdom we, we've been taught to pray that we ask that your kingdom would come and your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's in Jesus, our Savior's name we pray. Amen. Go in peace. Have a wonderful day. If you're joining us online, thanks a lot.